All right, welcome to another episode of Fast Women. I am Eileen falkenberg Hull, And I am Nicole Wakelin. And we are going to talk today about our adventures in Spain, which we had separately, but also somewhat together. Yes, because we couldn't make the timing work for both of us. So Eileen went, and then she came home, and I went, and we are kind of like... Ships passing in the night, but in airplanes in the sky. <laughs> and we were both asleep, I think, during that time. It was, yes. it, it was it was different than what we usually do, but we did get to experience some of the same things. We're going to tell you about that today. We're going to tell you about four cars that we drove, five cars that we drove, something like that. A ridiculous a lot, lot of, of cars. Rovers. <laughs> um, and our adventures in Spain, eating pastry and staying at a fabulous hotel and doing all sorts of amazing things. All right, so Let's we were go. there to drive the redesigned 2023 Land Rover Range Rover Sport and also a Range Rover. Mm-hmm. Both, both, both. Um, but only two of the four Range Rover Sports we drove are coming to America. Yes. So <laughs> it, it was. And, and then some of what we drove, it was the European spec of things, which may or may not be quite what we drove. So how many different versions of this? What? OK, so yeah. <laughs> so there's there's four different versions of Range Rover Sport. We drove one Range Rover. Yes. OK, so the short of it is there's Range Rover Sport. The, the first edition, which is like VA and really powerful. It's loaded with stuff. Then there's the six cylinder version of that, which is not the first edition that is pretty well equipped that we drove. Those two are coming to the U.S. Mm-hmm. There was a plug in hybrid version mm-hmm. that is pretty standard, but it's also not coming to the U.S. in the spec that it was given to us. It's going to be less powerful in the U.S., so there's that. And then they had a diesel version of the Range Rover Sport um, for our European and African colleagues to drive. So, yes, and we did not have the diesel on our way because I was on a wave that was exclusively U.S. and we did not have the diesel version to play around with. And I was on a wave that was U.K. and South African journalists. So they had the diesel, but I didn't drive it because I felt like I should give my colleagues more time with it. I was trying to be there. Yes. Um, Look at you being all kinds of generous I and Eileen. I know, so but I, sweet. I actually ended up using that time to do more off-roading, so it wasn't like totally <laughs> not self-serving. But um, okay, so before we talk about the cars, let's talk about the scene. So I've yes. been traveling to Europe quite a bit in the last year and a half. Um, you have not, but you traveled to Europe extensively before that. Yeah, I've, I mean, we used to go to Europe at least once a year before COVID and we just haven't because of where things went in life. And with COVID, I haven't had a chance to go back. So it's the first time uh, I have been back to Europe since ye olde COVID. Um, so and as the first time I've been to Spain in particular, I just hadn't Spain was on my list and then it got delayed. So the first time in Spain and the first time in Europe in quite a while. So you haven't traveled when there's been immunization and testing requirements yes have been there since the eu had its breakup with brexit and there's yes. masks in publics and max so what surprised you about the travel what didn't surprise you or is there anything you're just like wait what Okay, you know, it's funny. So when you go to Spain, there's this special, you have to go online and fill out a special health certificate with the, I don't know, their board of health, whatever they call it. It's the EU health certificate, yeah. Okay, so you fill out this whole thing and it's like, you must do this and then you fill a part of it and then you can't fill out the rest of it for 72 hours and you go in 72 hours or less before your flight and you fill in the rest of it and they give you a code. You have to have the code and if you don't have the code, in my mind, you're being dragged off to jail in manacles. But I'm like, okay, I will have this code with me because... Good God Almighty, if you don't have the code, things will go south. No one looked at my code, Eileen. I'm like, have it on my phone. I'm like, ready. And they're like, you're fine. You go ahead. They didn't even We're all ready with our little code. 
What? They didn't even check it at the airport for you? Uh-uh. No one looked at it. So, they had, so here's the thing. So you go to the, the way it was set up, you went to, you had like the normal customs thing that's been there forever. And the guy looks at you and stamps your passport and you go through. Then he's like, oh, I don't need the coat. And I'm thinking, oh, there's a stage two or something. Right. So I go through the next thing and there's like a little plastic like table, like you think you'd find yes. outside with the Girl Scouts selling cookies at the local grocery store, but it's an official thing and it's the health folks, but they're all just chilling. There's like three or four tables and you walk in and then like they, they funnel you sort of kind of some of you to it, but then they just wave people through. They're like, yeah, go ahead. You're good. Like I'm ready with my friend. You're good. I'm like, I, why did I fill out this form? So the, so, pl- the place they checked. So the, I did actually go through and like they did. They scanned it because it was a QR code. They scanned it. But they also yeah. checked it at the airport when you check in for your flight. I don't know if you remember that. So I couldn't check in online. So you actually have to go to the desk and they you know yeah. look everything up. And then they're like, okay, do you have your EU travel certificate? And then when you're like, oh, crap, I forgot it. You have to stand there and fill it out and fill it out and fill it out. And right. you just show it to them. And then they can verify. So you didn't have that experience. And we flew the same airline. So that's we did. interesting. They, did. They, they, they gave zero, you know what? They did not care. They made sure that I would, I had my passport. I had to go in. I had to yes. show them my passport before I could start my leg out of Boston to JFK. They Passport, yes. Health form. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's very, very interesting how all the different areas are dealing with COVID. It, and right, like in America, then, So I'm wondering if it was almost like a spot check thing at the point that I went. I mean, I know we only went like a week apart or something or four or five days, but like, have they gone from we're going to check every single person to we'll randomly check you? Kind of like, you know, if you get the random person who gets your bags opened up when you come through customs, you're just lucky you. They get to search through your stuff, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's fascinating, though, how like all the different countries are dealing with different things. And like in America, even like where you live versus versus where I live, like where I live, mm-hmm. like we were we, we didn't have as many regulations. We had very lax regulations, but personal responsibility. And so we didn't have a lot of mask wearing in public unless it was like required by the business. And that's fine. But like yeah. we, you and I would travel places like LA where it was like, you must wear a mask except when you're actually eating. And then after you take a bite, you put your mask back on. And it's yeah. not like that in Europe, but it's just so interesting to see like, not just in the U S but I guess everywhere, how it varies and the level of panic varies. And, and when you're traveling and you go to like, like when you're we walking around Madrid, um, you can definitely see people from different countries. Like certain countries are still wearing masks. Certain aren't. Yes. And it's very demographically broken up. You tell where people are from. Um, very, very interesting. I, I found it fascinating. And I do. Yeah. And we go over there. I'm just like, oh, so, th- OK, that's what's happening where you live. You know, I kind of figure like you, in the same thing. Yes, it's like, OK. Well, OK, here we're we're wearing masks and we're not getting in the elevator with each other. OK. Oh, here there's 10 of us in the elevator. OK, that's fine. Like you just don't yeah. know how anyone's going to react at any yeah. given moment. It is. And it's like it's like we're all being respectful, but we're all like, could there just be a standard? We just yeah, like a standard. I know. Can't the UN get on that? I feel like that's what they, they should do something. And I feel like that would be very helpful. I, we just need one rule. One like the like I'm thinking of a, a Lord of the Rings. One ring to rule them all. Can we have one rule to rule it all? I just want one rule. One rule. I was very happy to not have to wear a mask. Although I do have a flight coming up next week that I think I'm gonna have to wear a mask for, and it's just like oh, blurred. Yeah, I, I don't blur. miss wearing a mask on a plane. That was that's tough on a long flight. It's tough on a short flight. On a long flight, it was just not fun to soak in that for seven hours or so. You know. No, and then I actually had so when I wore one in New York when I was in a cab a couple weeks ago. Um, my ears are like readjusted to normally normal now, like of not wearing a mask. <laughs> and I got off out of the cabin. I'm like, why do my ears hurt? And I do remember like back to the beginning of the pandemic when I, like your ears hurt. And like, so I was like, oh, I'm not looking forward to that little city hopper coming up. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so you flew Boston to JFK to Madrid. I flew Atlanta yeah. to Madrid. Um, and when we arrived, it's obviously like seven o'clock in the morning, which is fine. That's the way all European flights go. 
But mm-hmm. the best thing is you go to baggage claim in Madrid and they have a little self-serve Starbucks where you can swipe your card or scan your phone. And it's just like, waiting. it's, it is, it's like, because you, you and I both know, like when you get to baggage claim, there's rarely, especially in Europe, there's rarely concessions. It's yeah. only just the baggage claim. And in the U.S., you it's do like, have get some. your bags and get out. <laughs> yeah. And so like you get there and you're like, oh, I can I, I've got coffee and I can sit and wait for my bag with coffee. And it was amazing. Like that just made my life. And then also and I've never seen this. I don't I didn't check a bag the last time I went to Madrid. So I don't know if this is just a Madrid thing, but it's definitely okay. not a European airport thing because who Munich whew, for for getting bags. But they actually have mm. like this guy stacked all the bags side by side in the most orderly fashion. I think I sent you a photo. Really? I, oh, you sent me a picture. It was the most like nice, neat and orderly baggage claim I have ever seen. Every bag was stacked like perpendicular with the handle forward. And there was a guy there scanning them all and moving them all. And I was like, I want you to come reorganize my home. He was like the Marie Kondo of like, of like <laughs> of baggage. Of baggage. He was amazing. Um, but I'd never seen before. And I literally watched him the entire time. Cause I think my bag was the last one off the plane. I just watched okay. him and marveled. I was like, Oh, you, you're amazing. You're amazing. He was the <laughs> container store of Madrid. It was just, it was Aww. everything I wanted out of my life. <laughs> anyway, but you had your hot coffee. Like that was amazing. So very cool. Are you a person who sleeps when they get to the hotel? Cause we got there at like 10, you can go to sleep. Yeah. You cannot go to sleep. You're a not go to sleep person. I'm a not go to sleep. I am. When I get to whatever time zone I'm in, I am in that time zone when it's this big of a time change because it was six hours, right? Six hours between us and Madrid. So I feel like you just have to bite the bullet and you just you be awake with the people of the, the place that you are in. And then you're tired, you know, you, you want to go to sleep. Nope. You go to sleep at the right time. I, if it's to California and I'm just there for like three days, I suck it up and I stay on East Coast time. But that's only that's only three hours, six hours. You can't do that. You can't stay on your own time zone because it just, it's too much. You just, it just doesn't work. So I am stay awake when you are, do you go to sleep or you stay awake? So I take like a two hour nap. You do, which I find is like enough to get me through the rest of the day, but not completely okay. my sleep schedule. And so this was actually I traveled over the Labor Day weekend. So I actually did not have emails coming in, which, you know, for me is like this never big- happens. Yeah. So I actually slept for two hours and then I went to the pool. And I actually oh, put on my swimsuit. It was lovely. Oh my I, gosh, the pool I was so ordered nice. A few cocktails, and I mm-hmm. laid by the pool with my headphones, and I was like, I have not had a relaxing moment at anywhere on par with this in probably a year and a half. And the so, little fancy popsicles. Do they yes. come around with the po- oh the little they, popsicle tray? Yeah, I, these cute little popsicles. I'm like, I'm like five. I'm like, yes, I would like a popsicle. Thank you. And then I <laughs> fell asleep by the pool, which I don't recommend because there was Ooh. no one there. So they have attendants, which were lovely. But sometimes when you go to resorts or something, if you've fallen asleep, they'll notice and they'll tap you and be like, it's time for you to turn. I fell asleep on my stomach. Um, oh. I had a very sunburned posterior in certain areas where my swimsuit <laughs> did not cover. <laughs> when I went back, I like didn't notice. And then I went back to like the room and showered to go out to dinner. And I was like, oh, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, no, nobody's going to see it, but that's, that's interesting. <laughs> but it was one of those things where it's just, and then I was like, well, my tan's even now. Like, because, you know, the back is always not quite as tan as the front. But I was yep. just, it was a very. You balanced it out. You're all, I, you're, you're uniformly tan now. I, mean. I am, except for a very specific section of my underside. Um, but, <laughs> but I am happy to report that it has now gone away and I'm, I'm free of the burden of sunburn. But it was just one of those things. You're just like, wait, what? What's happening? Um. Okay, so we're going to talk about what we did on that first day together, or not together, yes. separately. We did it with our our colleagues and our friends. Um, yes. We'll talk about that when we get back from break. We'll talk about our amazing dinners that we had at, and breakfast that we had at a restaurant. Um, and we'll actually talk about the cars. Yeah, Gee, the car, that for. too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, we are back and we are here to talk about food and pastries and also mm-hmm. cars. I mean, like the cars, obviously, but also food and pastries because that's what yeah. we do. So we both had food at a restaurant called Geronimo, which was inside yeah. the Madrid Edition Hotel, which is where we stayed during this program, um, which had uh, concrete headboards, which is another thing that I never expected. It, it was they were they were interesting. If if you Google the Madrid Edition Hotel, you will see pictures of the concrete headboards because they are unique. They look like something possibly of the sea. Um, yes, it, it's 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 a thing. Um, Google it. Look, and they are backlit, which is always a fun experience. I had trouble with the lights. I swear, I, maybe it was the jet lag, but I sat down. I was trying to go to bed and I thought, what? I'm missing a light. Gosh, dang it. I just want to go to bed. How do I turn all this off? <laughs> and then you hit like all the day night switches. And oh, day just, night, and, and, and then they, morning, like, right, like, uh, just off. where's off button button to make off. Where's the off button? There needs to be a kill switch. Or if you're in a, most European hotels, you put your room key in. Yes, it's, I even look for that. And yeah. I'm like, nope, that's not a thing. So that's not the solution to my problem. Right, right. Usually I'm just, there's points in the night where I'll wake up in the middle of the night and there's like a light on somewhere and I just rip mm-hmm. the hotel room key out and it goes flying across the room. I'm like, I'll find that in the morning. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not dealing with it now. No, like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm so done. Okay, so dinner. You had dinner at Geronimo. I did not. I actually um, went out to dinner the first night and went to a market and had dinner. So tell me about Ooh. dinner at Geronimo because their so food they, was really they had good. Told us, they had told us we were having an unhosted dinner at Geronimo, basically which meant you can go down and have dinner there whenever you want and charge it to your room. Fine. Then when we got there, like, no, no, we are going to be a hosted. We're all going to meet there at the same time, which is cool. So it was our little group of people. So it's this sort of upscale Mexican restaurant. I know you're in Spain, but it's, this is legit. They're like, nope, we're a Mexican restaurant. And it, okay. They gave us all like these appetizers and stuff. The things that I loved. Oh my gosh. They had like a heart, like a crispy tortilla, like a tortilla shell. And they had this lobster that was diced very fine on top of it. And just a tiny little bit of, I'm going to say maybe a little bit of lemon, maybe a little bit of butter. It was like the most amazing thing ever. I say this as someone who lives in New England. I know my lobster. It was amazing. That sounds really good, actually. It was really, really good. And with this, many other things we had. But you know what else I had? I had sangria. The best sangria I have ever had in my whole life. Ever, ever, ever. There will be no... And I tried several other sangrias where we were there at dinners. I'm like, nope, not as good. This Geronimo... They know how to make a sangria, baby. It was so good. So that was our media dinner. So we had a hosted typical dinner. But where did you go for your market? Where did you have dinner? So I went to the Market San Miguel, which is by the Plaza Mayor. I've been there before and I was like, I just want to like go eat ham and have a sangria and walk around mm-hmm. it's kind of touristy it's upscale yeah. but it's it there's a ton of different food and it's so like if you just want to like nibble and nosh your way through and people are like oh it's expensive well it's not expensive for u.s prices it's expensive for like typical european street food prices yeah but, i mean honestly i spent i think under 20 dollars u.s yep. total um but i actually was just pulling up a picture because i took a photo of the sangria i ordered at um the sangria de san miguel homemade um for like seven euros i got an 
I'm going to pronounce it absolutely wrong, but is an Albano Para y Fruta de la Pasión, which is a white wine, pear, and passion fruit sangria. Ooh, how is that? I would have had 20 in a row. And I'm glad mm. that I was by myself because if I would have had you, you lead me back to the hotel, I would have kept drinking them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally, I, I texted my dad and I was like, dad, I have found the best sangria. And then of course he was like, are you drinking alone while you're traveling? I'm like, no, just one, just one. Just like, one, just one drink, a responsible amount of drink. I did. I had that. I had an amazing ham sandwich, um, which was just, I, I mean, everything's so good. Like the food was just so good. But the same I actually was like went my there for um, lunch. The first day I came in, I stopped there with a colleague and we had lunch in that same little place. And I got like a little sandwich thing. It made me think of like a bon me, I think, kind of yeah. sandwich, like that puffy roll. And there was a giant piece of squid. Like it was a tentacle. Ooh. Like it was, and he was like, you have to try it. I'm like, it's a giant tentacle. It's like, try one bite. It was really good. I'm like, okay, that was scary. Just don't look at it and just take a bite. And um, we had that. And then we got paella. My first little, they had a place that had oh, paella yeah, where you yeah. get like sort of like single serving sizes. That little market is fantastic. I love that place. It is. I love little food stalls like that. Um, but I have a question for you. I took a picture of a pastry there. And mind you, okay. pastry. it looks like a croissant. It is, a croissant? It is deep, dark green in color, like deeper than a moss, but it is green. I see the look on your face. I can see we, we have cameras. I can see the look on your face. It is fantastic. You're like, what the hell? What are you the heck? So, okay. So um, this particular pastry. So it is the top of it's covered in a seed. I can't tell what it is. I don't think it's sesame seeds, but they're they are like a brown seed, um, a light brown seed. And it says the ingredients are asparagus, bacon, mm-hmm. cheese and mushroom. And mind you, it's like a croissant. But Wait, it is this is a, so it's like a savory pastry it's not a sweet pastry wait she's holding up her phone to the screen it looks like huh. the, the lighting's really bad it looks like a giant pile of poo it looks a little <laughs> bit like poo with nuts on top or sesame seeds so but yeah. um did you get it no i hate asparagus i hate asparagus like with a burning i would have eaten that that looks amazing i would eat that i love asparagus did you see the empanada stand I did. We oh didn't get an empanada there. We got an empanada at a different empanada stand that was also on my list of things I want to eat while I'm in Spain. I got, we got three. Um, mm. it, so, but no, I did not go to the at empanada stand. There were so many amazing things in that shop. They also have, and I think this always, it's like very cool, but also, ew, they, for the ham, when they're shaving it off the leg and they have like the leg, yes. like mounted yes. in a bracket with a little hoof on the end. And it's like, have some meat. And I'm like, I get it came from an animal. I don't want to know quite that much that it came from an animal. I don't need to see the actual animal leg. <laughs> so fun fact, and your birthday is coming up. So oh, yeah, you can actually buy a ham with a hoof on it from oh, Amazon, shipped to you from Spain, and you can buy it as a subscription. <laughs> Am I for dollars? I can oh I can God. send you a hoofed ham, which it is not above me to send you a hoofed ham. Well, from I can Amazon. just imagine I'm like, what's this? I'm like, and I'll just open and see a hoof and be like, dang it, Eileen. That beautiful new but kitchen. You know what and is, don't you just want to have just, a hoofed ham in the corner? I'm just gonna put it in the corner of the house, like, oh, this is my this is my colleague sent me this. That's what we do. Doesn't don't your colleagues send you hooved hams? No, no, oh mine do. We we know we have a friend named Alex who's actually ordered a hoofed ham. Um and he has he or I think I don't know if it's gone yet, but he like would eat it and drink his wine. He's a huge wine seller. Um but he would have his wine and jamon. Um and he actually I, I mean I can't really pepper. object to that. I no. I genuinely I mean I approve of that overall. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like 
that is that part is up our alley. I, I yeah, but I mean, like I said, your your birthday's coming. We'll see what happens. Um, okay, okay. So away from dinner, breakfast. I had breakfast yes. at Geronimo. You had breakfast at Geronimo. You yeah. were you were Gaga over the bread and pastries. Like I saw photos of them. Did you not have the bread and pastries in the little baskets? I just had the French toast with creme fraiche and honey. Okay, I have a French toast, but uh, why would that preclude you from having the baskets with the pastry? This is not an either or. There was like basket, basket, <laughs> dinner, breakfast, like all the things. It's a trio of yummy, tasty treats. I mean, there was some little very light, light, light pastry that had a little bit of a lemon flavor and this tiny little, tiny little decadent crusting of sugar on top. I did see that. It looked delicious. Did you not try it because you've made a terrible mistake? No, I, I made a terrible mistake. I did not try. I was trying it. to be like, I should not eat all these sweets. I've ordered a French toast that was four thirds sugar. Yeah. Yeah. The French toast was amazing. Well, the, the this pastry was so good. The morning we were leaving, we were leaving very early. We had a 715 shuttle and breakfast started at seven. So I was talking to Brandon here mentioning earlier and he literally were like, he's like, there's a Starbucks. I want Starbucks. And I want breakfast, but I don't think we can do both. I'm like, okay, we divide and conquer. You go to Starbucks. I'm going to go steal all of those pastries out of our assigned baskets. I'm just going to go and get us that pastry. We're going to eat it in the car. That was our mission. Our mission is like, okay. And it was that one. None of the other stuff that one little lemon light lemon pastry bread thing i'm just gonna take them out because they had tables for land rover i was like mm-hmm. take these out for us i, uh, I yeah. feel like that's why we're all friends we all have we're yes. like, we all understand the important things in life and mm-hmm. it's pastries and coffee uh, yes so once we got all sugared up we all took our diabetes on the road uh uh-huh. we you and i drove different routes which is which is uncommon like we normally don't do that um but right it's- normally it's the same route for every drive but i think it was partly because of something that we saw later there was a bike race that sort of took over some of the roads and i think they were adjusting for things based on the days you were there versus the days that i was there so you had a slightly different drive route overlap probably most of our route was the same there's probably a little bit that wasn't the same i think is how it basically rolled out yeah and then so also when you have drive programs in europe a lot of your european colleagues fly in first thing in the morning and so they were arriving at the airport and so we needed like a staging area where we could all go and then hop in the vehicles together after we did we did like a little shop talk where we talk about the cars do a little design walk around um so i actually started my drive at the duke of albuquerque's house which sounds highfalutin and it is because he breeds horses and there were gorgeous horses there i mean like i wasn't allowed to share a lot of photos of it but it was amazing and all the cars were up out front it was everything like you just you're like oh this is an estate i will never be able to afford this like that's right. the way it was but it was beautiful um and we drove from there to segovia we went through the mountain roads now we drove on roads that they said they had specially paved because the vuelta the bike race was coming through and yep. so i think we were able to take advantage of that i don't know if you were able to get those same roads that were paved and fresh and lovely we did not have freshly paved roads on our drive route. Everything was fine, but I don't think we I don't think we hit that little section. You would have known because they were not yet striped. So it was just oh. like this lovely patch of black asphalt. And I was like, oh, I wish I had perfect. a car. I mean, it's you know, like when you open a jar of peanut butter and it's like perfectly smooth on yes. top and you haven't taken you like if you're the one who gets to take that first little it's like, oh, yeah, that's satisfying that first bit of peanut butter. It was it was good. And so we drove the Range Rover Sport first editions there. So that's V8 engine that's um, it's good. It's tuned. It's a beautiful interior. These were bright red. I mean, they were a gorgeous color. The red, red was beautiful. Oh my gosh. It was such a beautiful room. I always say that I love Mazda's reds. Like they're what, what, what is it? Red soul metallic. I think might be the Mazda color. I'm, I think. It's, uh, Kodo red. Or, 
Is it Kodo Red? I think it's Kodo Red, something like that. I love the red from Mazda. I'm like, oh, Land Rover, you're giving them a run for their money. It was beautiful. It really, was really beautiful, beautiful car. So we drove those. I really liked it. I felt unlike the V8 in the Range Rover, the V8 in the Range Rover Sport felt like a much tighter package. It felt like it was really cohesive. You could drive it. You felt connected to the road. It didn't feel like the engine was too much or that the weight of the engine was too much for the rest of the vehicle. Now, we didn't have mm-hmm. you know luggage in the back or kids in the back, those things that a family right. would normally have. Um, and so when you drive a larger vehicle like the Range Rover, you do sometimes need that. The same with a truck, right? You need to have some weight in the bed because most people drive with weight in the bed. Um, mm-hmm. This this you didn't feel like you needed that it was really well balanced and really it was fun to drive through those curves its braking was good uh, it was strong and it was great i really enjoyed it and the seats were so comfortable oh my super comfortable seats very comfortable seats i i mean this is it's it's a luxury car with a luxury price and it just feels like it in every single way from how it drives to the power to the seat to the comfort to just the overall design and the level of tech it's it's a beautiful, comfortable car. I mean, it's the kind of thing you think, okay, you have to take a road trip with the fa- trip with the family and you're going to go for, you know, a thousand miles. This would be perfect because you would not regret having to sit in that seat for that long. It is such a nice, comfortable ride. And I do feel like it's very well-mannered because it's not this teeny tiny little sports car, but taking on those, on the twistier roads, on the sharper corners, you're like, this is this is fine. This is, this feels, it handles some, like something smaller than it is, which is always an admirable quality in a large car. Absolutely. It's midsize. So it's about the same size as like a Nissan Murano um, Mm -hmm. and a Chevrolet Blazer. So right in with there, obviously far more upscale than that. Um, So we got to the Casario de Aldelena. I'm sure I've pronounced that wrong, which is, is near Segovia. And that's um, a 300 hectare area um in hectare. a valley isn't it hectare is it he- hectare hectare whatever hectare. it is we were there and that's how big it was <laughs> a large property it was a large <laughs> property um and it had, it had a beautiful uh like a ranch there and we did some off-roading which was like some sincere off-roading it was. it was there, were, there were some very tight um like it was almost like a ravine it made you think of something that like washed out when the water came rushing through it was very narrow and like i felt like i could have just like kind of put my hand right outside the window like two inches and i would have been touching like dirt like road and wall on either side of me it was really it was it was technical in a good way you know yeah, it was actually a ravine like legit a yeah. ravine so in spain right now is in a tremendous drought it is it is mm-hmm. very very bad it looks like california all of yeah. everything is that yellow dead grass um it's really sad because that area of spain is so beautiful but that north of madrid is just it's it's really in really really rough shape like they were like do not idle the cars near the side of the road oh yeah they could catch on fire like it's bad um and so did you did you notice that for the driver swap on that because we in this we we sometimes you'll drive an off-road route and like driver a drives driver b drives this one in the middle they had a swap drivers and there was instead of just like hop out of the car swap whenever they had a spot for us to swap and i think they wanted to be so careful that we weren't causing they had cleared out like the grass you could see like this is this is the rectangle where you're allowed to stop for an extended period of time and get out of the car and change like they were very very conscious of not causing a fire (laughs) yeah it was it was it was really really bad but um normally this area where we drove is actually has water in it and so we actually drove over a dam 
in an yes. area that's normally like a reservoir and lake and it was just bare and so we drew mm-hmm. the silt of the bed and of course it's a range rover so it's perfectly fine doing all of that and yeah, we drove it, up the dam fine. and back down the other side of the dam um it wasn't like they did on top gear when they winched themselves up the dam that was really cool we did not do that um but you know obviously it's gonna be able to handle it any car with four-wheel drive could have handled what we did but um right. it just the land rover makes it easy it's a mm-hmm. it's we did some steeps we did uh one wheel drive it like it we did it all and it was it handled exactly like it should now the airbag suspension in the car does absorb a lot of the bumps the airbag is suspe- the the airbag <laughs> suspension the bags, I was just call it air, air suspension. suspension airbag suspension <laughs> do i still have jet lag i don't know um so that's where we are yeah, so- I have two little airbags <laughs> in each little corner just a big white poofy airbag yeah. Just kind of float along on that. Just imagine you a bump it's and a getting a white. Aesthetic. Get used to it. <laughs> you hit a bump and like the white powder just puffs out the side. <laughs> <laughs> the air suspension absorbs so many bumps and it's it really like so when you're on the road you you know you notice the lack of bumps but off-roading it really takes it to a new level so like i would say like women who off-road need to have very good support we make sure that we are we are bound in uh our chests mm-hmm. are bound in um this you didn't you feel like you could do it normally like it wasn't it, it really took care of it you know, we did some severe off-roading so that was awesome. Really, really like that. Um, and I also did that. So they had some other vehicles for us to drive while we were there. We drove um, the six cylinder uh, mm-hmm. Range Rover Sport, which is going to be like the meat and potatoes for the U.S. That's basically yeah. it. And it's really good. I mean, like I, I it's less powerful than the V8. But I honestly, for most people, they're not even going to notice that. Um, and I, I feel like it's like a lot of vehicles like SUVs where there's or, or even sedans or any vehicle when there's a solid base engine and they offer you a performance option because they want you to have that big burly, you know, growly engine if you want it. I mean, that's nice if you want all that power, but you know, it's, this is not a weedy car. This is not a, like a low end vehicle. Your base engine in this is still really, really, really good. So if you want all that power and you want to pay, okay, fine, have at it. But I think that, that the six cylinder is a fantastic choice. I go with a six. Yeah, I think it's it's a lot less money too. That's the other thing. It's yeah, a lot less. You like, pay because the trim, the way the trims are broken out. If you're going for that eight, you are you're paying for it. You're paying for it. And you know what? If you can afford it, you want it. Knock yourself out. But if you're like ah, that feels like a little much. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine with a six. Yeah, and it still has the same suspension. It's still got a lot of the stuff that that first edition has, um, mm-hmm. but just without the V8. And like I said, I think it's fine. I have no problem with it at all. And it was great. It was great to drive. It still had that same level of connected driving experience. The same. Yeah. Strong braking, uh, same four wheel drive, everything you really want out of a Range Rover Sport. So we drove a Range Rover on the way back to the hotel that night. So we'll talk about that when we get back from break. We'll also talk a little bit about other things we did in Madrid because we had some spare time, which we don't normally have on these programs. Yes. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are back. Nicole and I were just off-roading, talking about the Range Rover Sport First Edition and the Range Rover 6 six-cylinder that we drove when we were at the Casario de Aldelena. 
possibly, possibly mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not Spanish. I wish somebody would correct me, but sorry, sure Spain. Sorry, Spain. <laughs> um, it was a lovely, a lovely spot though. Um, it, yes. w- it was, it was fantastic outside Segovia. Um, and so we drove Range Rovers from there back to downtown Madrid, um, where I had an experience along the way, but first let's talk about the car and how it drove. Okay. So we had the Range Rover SV to drive back from Segovia to downtown Madrid. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about that first because I've got a story about something that happened to me on the drive. That's a little oh, scandalous. What, what happened to you, Eileen? Um, we'll talk about the car first. <laughs> um, so Let's do the car. So the, the car, car was fantastic. Car. I loved the car. You know what? The color, it had this funky color. It was like, I don't know what it was. It was this sort of bronzy, burnt it was orangey. a misty color. Yeah, it was, it was powerful, but it wasn't like overpowering. It was yes. a good color. It wasn't quite an orange. It wasn't quite a red. It was it was great. And it and it was kind of a matte-ish finish. Anyway, this this color was so striking. You know, when you drive very fancy, very expensive cars, you'll often get people like giving you a thumbs up and waving. People everywhere were like, nice car. Like these guys on the scooter, like we're going fast on the highway, guys on a scooter with nothing but like shorts and a t-shirt. I'm like, you're gonna die. Are next to us, and they're trying to get next to us to be like, nice. Like everybody was noticing it. And I don't necessarily think that it was because of the car. I think that color was just so striking. It's a, it's an impressive vehicle, but you put that color on it and suddenly you think, what is that? It was beautiful. It was beautiful. And it wasn't bright like a Lamborghini color. It was its own color. It was, its, it was definitely for a dignified, sophisticated audience. I really yes. enjoyed it. Um, in driving, the, the Range Rover SV is fantastic. It's powerful. It's very luxurious on the interior. Um, its suspension's a little, I'm gonna call it whiffy. That's how my drive partner. Oh, I arrived. like that it's word. Ooh, who came, was that an English drive partner? Um, he was. Um, <laughs> whiffy. Mark Is that I, a word in England? I like that. Mark Thanks, and I England. Just, yeah, Mark and I decided it was a little whiffy. Like, it just felt a little whiffy. Like, you're, like, in it, and you're just, like, it, it's not, like, swaying, but it's also not, like, hunkered down like the Range Rover Sport. Like, it was just a little whiffy, which is fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It was just mm-hmm. not quite the dynamics I would want if I was going to be doing a super twisty road. And that's one of the things we did. So, so that, um, now I'm going to say this, you did mention that the vehicle is very noticeable to people passing by. Oh, who else noticed your car? I mean, do tell the police for for Spain. (laughs) Now I will say this. It was not because I was personally doing anything wrong. I want to make that very, very clear. Um, so a lot of times on these trips, we get uh, license plates that the manufacturer puts on that are not actual license plates. They're allowed to do this because they're test vehicles. They're not really registered for the road. It's a whole like gray area um, in the EU. Most people are familiar. They have the long license plates and then they will have a designation of which country the vehicle is from. They'll have like a Spain, an España, a Great Britain, a whatever. Well, as you know, Brexit happened. That's a thing. Um, we're not supposed to talk about or mention to the police in Spain. FYI, learn that one. Um, So I go through the toll booth and there's a lovely gentleman there who gives me the point at you, get over the side of the road. And I'm like, well, shh, Nikes, Um, you know, it is what it is. So I and it was funny because my drive partner, he goes, no, you were definitely not speeding through the speed cameras. Like I always check because it's it's much more photographed and and well kept up in uh, EU than it is in the U.S. So you always kind of really monitor that. So you're always like one or two miles per lot miles per hour or kilometers per hour underneath where you need to be so that you're not worried about that. And Spain is notorious for pulling over speeders. Yeah. So, and they, they have cameras. Oh my gosh. It's like everywhere. You really have to watch your speed. Yeah. It's not as bad as uh, Belgium, but it is mm-hmm. close. Um, so anyway, so I pulled over 
Um, a lovely gentleman comes up the side of the vehicle, yells at me in Spanish. I have no idea what he's saying. And suddenly I turned into the ditziest blonde you've ever seen in your life. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, English. Um, which is not me, but I felt like it was best for the situation. And <laughs> and so luckily he had a colleague who was younger. He came to the car. Um, I chatted with him in a slightly more respectful to my personality way. Um, and we were able to fi- find out what was wrong and what what was wrong is that Land Rover had not put the UK designation on the plates. They did not put a sticker on the plate. They also did not put a sticker on the car, which apparently there's two acceptable spots. And I know this because he pulled me out of the car at the moment when all of our colleagues were driving by. And then some of them tried to stop at help. And then they were sent on their way by the mean first police officer and um <laughs> in all honesty they were actually fantastic to deal with the guy was like here's what's wrong you know and we had a giant sticker in the back window but he's like that can't be there that actually has to be on the car explain to me what the issue was um look through all of the paperwork and i literally handed him a folder and so our folder has like, <laughs> like all of the car stuff and then it's got a letter from land rover in spanish explaining exactly what we were doing he understood test drive um but it was like 15 minutes of me being out of the car being like i i'm so so sorry is there anything i can do like i was like i have cash uh, I, like, I, was like, I don't really know what we're supposed to do here um but again i want to emphasize that when you travel in europe you do need an international driver's license you do need it depends to- on this it depends on the country country yeah and spain is one of them so the thing was eileen shares this and she said hey i didn't have we need an international driver's license i'm like well, looks like I'm going to go get that tomorrow because the places I driven, I hadn't needed one, or at least I didn't think I needed one. <clears throat> so now I had one because I'm like, well, they're going to be paying attention and I should make sure. I mean, literally you show up, they, you have a U.S. driver's license, you show ID, you get an international one. It's no big deal. So, And I really genuinely feel like it's nothing but a cash grab, but that's the international yes. rules. So that's how we play. Uh, but mm-hmm. anyway, the honestly, the people we encountered um, for the police were actually lovely. Um, in the end, he really wanted to make sure that I understood what how was happening because apparently in Madrid, they're really cracking down on this. And he was actually more concerned that I was going to Madrid and it could be a possible jail for me if I got caught. So like letting me know. <laughs> and, it would really throw you in jail for a sticker because like in the u.s you have you're missing stickers you get like fines or okay it's it fell off or it's missing like if your inspection stickers or something's off they give you a period of time like go fix this show us proof you fixed this go about your life you have to be speeding like a lunatic to get thrown in jail well you do get they will impound your car which is also like another whole thing um but they did not do that for me they were very nice um like I said, they, they let me go. I didn't have a ticket or anything. Um, but I did get the opportunity to explain to all the folks who passed us um, why I was out of the car and why I just happened to apparently be the lucky deli counter number that they chose that winner, day. winner, winner. Yeah. So um, <laughs> honestly, it could have been far worse. Um, but again, like if you ever get pulled over by the police, just be nice because that goes nice. a long way. Like I honestly do think that being nice to them is the reason why we didn't have any more trouble than we did yeah. because they very honestly could have ticketed us. And you definitely know that being stuff. being might nice might not help you be being nasty definitely won't help you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we drove the Range Rover. Then the next day we drove kind of south east of the city. Um, we drove um, the plug-in hybrids, which we're not getting quite as powerful ones in the U.S. Uh, Range Rover Sports, I found it to be fine. I didn't really have a lot of problem with the Intel. It's heavy, but it's fine. Um, I, 
you know, I just, it's hard to measure something. We're like, well, this is good, but we're not getting this. And it's not going to be quite I know. Powerful. It was so, very weird. It was, it was that sort of like, okay, like it, yeah, I'm, we're, we're kind of, we don't have this one. How do I judge this one? It was a beautiful drive route that we had out of the city that day, like into the middle of nowhere. We, we decided to, we saw this little village and it, we wanted to drive in the village. And, and it was, it was exactly what happens when you drive a car in Europe, especially when you drive one that's as big as this. We're like, let's just drive in this little village. It looks really pretty. And it's very quiet, quiet morning, really quiet. We drive in and the road is actually large for a European road. And seriously, we turn slightly right and it goes from a road to a pathway. You could barely fit a bike down. And we're like, okay, so we can't continue to drive that way. And the only way out is to back up. It's quiet you, little town. Do you not remember you know, that what I did in, well, I didn't do it in Sardinia. My drive partner did to an, yes. uh, to an Aston Martin this, Sardinia. This would not, this was not going to fit. This was really like, enjoy your bike with a basket on the front because <gasps> nothing bigger is getting down here. So our, so we had to back up, but it's suddenly the quiet little town, everyone's sleeping. And it felt like, like a klaxon was going off. Like beep, <laughs> beep, beep. I'm like, oh God, I'm sorry. Small, sleepy little Spanish village. We're leaving now. It was so loud. <laughs> backing up i did find um, it was actually amusing um well not amusing i found it interesting that when you drive the plug-in hybrids into madrid there is a zone obviously where you're supposed to be low emissions yeah they automatically switch to ev mode yeah which is fascinating so but you have to save battery in order for them to switch which some of us well, did he was that. telling us something and I, I i should get all the engineering behind it but like if you put in your drive route and they know that you're it knows that you're going into madrid and it's an area where you have to be you know you need that hybrid mode it will adjust how you use things so that when you get to the city you have hybrid battery left like you don't use up all your battery on the way in like it knows where it was it was pretty smart stuff but if you're using nav and it knows where you're going yeah, the geofencing technology is really, really interesting. It was really, really cool how that worked out. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't have low emission zones in the U.S. I have a feeling it's coming, um, especially yeah. like in New York and L.A. Um, yeah. But but just some cool technology is already out there. So if that does happen, you know, it's coming to vehicles, obviously. Um, it's it, not it like they have down. to figure it out. Right. Yeah, they figured it out already. They just have to be like, here you go, United States. You can now drive in the low emission zones. You're good to go. Yeah. So I think the overall consensus is we liked all the Range Rovers we drove, whether or not they were coming to the U.S., Um, (laughs) and we recommend them um, and we make no claims for their reliability that's kind of where we're at because it's Range Rover and it's Land Rover and it's we're seeing what happens there but beautiful cars comfortable cars easy to drive on and off road Uh, conclusion Range Rover fantastic yes question for you conclusion conclusion Madrid fantastic Oh yeah. I like Madrid. I love Madrid. I felt like it was, I, I enjoy, it was a very comfortable European city. Some cities you've, some cities you feel that you were not, you feel like you're American more than others. You feel like you're finding your footing more than others. I felt like Madrid was one of those within seconds. It's like, okay, I'm totally fine here. Totally got this. Totally. It's just a really nice, there's this very relaxed um, feel to the place. So it's easy to wander about Everyone is very nice. Everyone was very nice. It's a very friendly city, uh, beautiful city, and one that you feel safe wandering about in the areas that I wandered about. So I liked it. Really good coffee, too. Enjoyed the coffee. Did you get a chance to go to the Royal Palace? I went to the Royal Palace. I didn't go into the Royal Palace. I wandered about the Royal Palace, but there was a church. Gosh, I've forgotten the name. There's this beautiful church. Right across the street, yes. Like right across the street. We did wander into the church. And it's it's funny because you go into some churches, depending on, I guess, the church and the the faith of the building that you're in, um, you can only get so close to the altar and so close to some of the beautiful things that decorate the walls. And this one, you could go like, 
behind it and up the staircase and it was just everything was adorned with gold leaf and there were these wooden pictures of all these saints and it was just an absolutely stunning space you didn't have to be religious to appreciate the art that went into creating this building it was actually and there was this really neat thing where you had this very old 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 clearly you know things that are hundreds and hundreds of years old and then you had very modern in the same church like the, there was a section of stained glass window that looked like it was you know it was sort of like this uh, sort of modern angular thing instead of pretty swooping lines it was it was a really neat church it was beautiful and i was worried too that i would get in trouble because my mom always said that when the first time you go into a church you should always make a donation like you just should so i did have cash in my pocket i'm like oh lord i don't like now i'm i'm damned to hell because i didn't make a donation in this silly church in spain and all i could hear was my mother saying you always make a donation the first time you're in a new church i'm like i can't mom i don't have any cash <laughs> well fnf you're listening your daughter is a heathen who chose not to take money I, to a church <laughs> i already i already confessed to my mother I'm like mom i went to a new church i didn't make a donation all i could hear was you saying that she's like nicole it's not nicole it's nicole and i was like oh gosh here comes <laughs> so i went inside the royal palace um i actually did the audio tour on my phone and which is what headphones oh, like cool. plane. it was four bucks that i think getting the into the royal palace was like 12 so honestly it was yeah. two hours it was fantastic i really enjoyed it um it's a palace it's very much you can see giant people or not giant people people in giant <laughs> gowns i mean maybe giant people but also people in giant gowns on marble floors going through all this fanciness i found a painting of a duke that looked like my dad but we weren't allowed to take oh photos, my gosh so i'd like wikipedia and send it to my stepmom i'm like doesn't this look like dad did when he was in medical school and she's like oh my god it does so <laughs> then i was like dad hit up ancestry and find out if we have relations in spain because I feel like we could inherit a multi-million dollar fortune. Right. And maybe Eileen, that's your palace. Unfortunately, it could be your palace. Unfortunately, it is not. We are too Swedish for that. Um, Dang it. I know. Uh, so anyway, so the Royal Palace is amazing. That church across the street is also amazing. The cathedral is gorgeous. It's Catholic, of course, because of Spain. That's what they yeah. do. Um, that's what they do. That's what they do in Spain is Catholic. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talking's my specialty. Um, but yeah, like Spain's a, a Spain. Madrid is a fantastic city for wandering, um, known for pickpockets. So do keep your documents and your money yeah. safe. Um, but overall, Madrid, two thumbs up. Really enjoyed yes. Madrid. I, I've been there twice now. I've enjoyed it both times. Um, I also enjoy charcuterie. Um, mm. ate a lot of that and the Vuelta bike race that you saw I'm very jealous of because I enjoy oh, cycling so cool I've never seen a bike race like that in person and it was just that we were trying to get to dinner and the bike race was coming through the city so we needed to cross this street that you could not cross you had to walk all the way down they had a section of subway where you could just walk under the road to get to the other side of it there was subway entrances on both sides for some reason the one that we randomly picked was like no you need to go to the one at the all the way to the other end so we were late for dinner and they were not very happy with us the folks at the place where we had our amazing paella dinner but um the bike race was really cool to see i was like yay go bicycles like i don't know anything about go bike bicycles. racing but it was really cool yeah go bicycles go bicycles, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go bicycles. yay all right so there ends our madrid journey we're going to come back with our scorecard nicole's got questions for me and i am ready I to answer when we get back VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
We are back with our final segment of this episode called Scorecard. And Nicole's got five questions for me. Are you ready, Ms. Nicole Wakelin? I am ready with the five questions. Okay, ready? Let's go. Okay, so the first question when you're in any big city, but especially in Madrid, everybody everywhere, everywhere is riding around like crazy maniacs on scooters. Scooters, but to get around a city or no? No, that's how you die. Yes, that's it's like, it for is me, how you die. It's I I'm 100 percent not that person. Um, and honestly, like being the driver in a car when people are scooting next to you without their helmets on. Oh, Mm-mm. oh, heck no. Moving and on. <laughs> it makes me so nervous. Yeah, I was I was like, what? how do you feel on the scooters? OK, I'm the same way. And I'm always afraid to change lanes on any kind. And it's not even like you have to be in a small street. You're on a busy highway. Scooter comes flying along. It's like, if I smack you in this Range Rover, your life is over. Oh, anyway, <laughs> I agree. So. I agree. No scooters okay. in the big city. And if you do scoot, wear a helmet. And if you Please. rent a bicycle in a city, wear a helmet. Wear like, like just just do, especially because cobblestone streets are not easy and like crowded sidewalks are not easy. Wear a helmet, please. Wear a the, helmet. the mother in me, the few mothering characteristics I have. So wear a helmet. <laughs> please wear a helmet, please, yes. people. OK, so my other question would be, and this is very specific to, to my experience. Are you pro or con? Yes or no on massaging seats that have the, the need at your back? I am a hard massaging. No. Yes. I, 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 Why are you a hard massaging? No. Why not I, massaging seats? I hate this. Is, I don't like being poked. I don't. <laughs> I feel like there's never. Okay. So do you remember when Ford first came out with massaging seats and it was like a little probing, a little too probing for comfort? Okay. Yes. I feel like though they have evolved, I'm still not there with them. Like, I just don't. I'm like, I can just move in my seat. And if I want to stretch, I can pull over and get up i don't know why it exists i understand people like it i think it's a waste of time technology and money and i am anti-massaging seats left and right now heated seats i cannot live without yes i'm with you heated seats are like they're they're as essential as having wheels on your car you must have heated seats but i do not like massaging seats and here's the weird thing when we were riding to the airport the the seats um that recline you know in in the rear Mm -hmm. seats not Mm -hmm. the front seats they recline slightly so when you were and it when you were depending on how you recline, you sort of create a gap behind it. I could hear apparently it's like the people who can't stand the sound of chewing. I could hear the massaging seats next to me. The person that was using them next to me it was like this, like it was the most grating thing. I'm like, turn those off. I can't. It was not good. The answer is never massaging seats. No matter what the never is, never, never massaging seats. No. Okay. <clears throat> Next question. When you're in, and I know we both speak English and little pieces of necessary words in other languages. So we're both not like fluent in another language. Do you try to speak the bits and pieces that you, to be nice when you're in another country or do you say, forget it and always speak English? You always try. You, you always, always try. try. Has your latte arrived? Oh, I see your latte. My latte arrived. Her face was like, my beacon of hope. Okay, so back to back to the question. Um, Yes, Yes. I absolutely always try because I think it is polite to try. And even if they see Mm -hmm. you're struggling, I feel like they appreciate it because I think in America, where we mostly speak English, when people come to me, they have broken English and they try. I'm willing to work with them. Like, like I'm willing to help you out. But if you come to me and you just speak, I don't know, Russian at me, that is unhelpful. And so I I always I'm a 
I agree with you on that. I always try to learn a few words, a few, you know, thank you and please and whatever things that I need to say um, that I think I'll need to say. And I try my little best to speak the bits and pieces of the language that I don't know. And I, cause I always appreciate it when someone tries to do it when it's English. So I try and I probably mangle 90% of the words I say, I can do a little bit of French a little bit better, but the Spanish thing, I'm sorry, Spain, I was trying. <laughs> it's weird. So I grew up um, speaking Spanish uh, in school since like third grade. Yeah. I do better in Italian than in Spanish. I can't tell you why. I never spoke Italian before I went to Italy, but I actually can understand it better than I can understand Spanish. Um, I will say this. The Google Translate app is free and you yes. can type in your English <laughs> and it will speak, say it. Um, you can do that for most every language uh, in commonly traveled countries. Um, that thing is a lifesaver because you can also take it, you can hold it over signs and it will read the sign for you. Yes. Um, we were reading brilliant. statues. Like there were yes. some statues and we wanted to know what the statues were for. And it read the little plaques on the statue. One of them was a poem. And we're like, well, that's entirely unhelpful. Who is this guy? But it read it to us. <laughs> yeah. So they do, they do uh, Google translate. The Google translate app is phenomenal that, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's free. Um, that has saved my, my carcass a number of times. My carcass. Yes. My, yes. My, my, my dead body, my, my live body. It <laughs> saved my tushy a number of times. Speaking, speaking's not going well for me today. I know it's been, do you need some of this, this lovely latte that I was just delivered? I think you do, Eileen. All right. Okay. So next question, because there's very different hours. Europe tends to be up very late more so than the U S and like quiet in the morning. So are you a stay up late and enjoy the evening crazy or get up early and enjoy the solace of the quiet morning walking around European city? So when I am in Europe, um, I stay up later and I still get up early. So I'm just mm-hmm. basically generally exhausted when I'm in Europe. Um, but I do that because I do feel like you get different parts of the culture, like at night, like, and I'm not like going out boozing at the bar till like midnight. So she says, no, <laughs> no, I do that during the day. Um, no. So like the, <laughs> watch you almost spit out your latte on camera. Fantastic. Um, no, but I do try and stay up late because I do find that our hosts also expect us to stay up later because that's yes. the culture. So um, I do, I do that. I don't stay up like tremendously late. Um, but I am because I am sleeping weird on and off because it's Europe. Um, I'm usually up by 4 a.m. But this is mm-hmm. thing when you and I travel to the West Coast, you and I frequently text each other at 4 a.m. Like, are you up? You want to go get coffee? The coffee shop doesn't open until five. Let's go for a walk. Um, yep. You know, get up. You, you get two hours, answer emails. You go for a walk. You go get your coffee. You still have two hours before anything starts. Um, so you're back working in, again. Um, that's just kind of the way we work. Like, I think if I was there traveling, it would be different. I think I would end yeah. up sleeping in later, but I, I don't ever go there for vacations because I don't vacation. So I know I, mean, I want, I do. I vac- like my I vacation, I, I tend to split it up. I'll have some nights where I'm up really late and some days where I'm up early, but on this one, I was up early, like really early. I just didn't, I was up stupidly early and I was wandering around the city I, and I still can't figure out like, there's no coffee shops. There's a coffee shop that didn't open till 10. Yes. I looked at the exact same thing. So that's one of the things that I, I don't do well. And I was like, I don't want the Nespresso in my room. It's probably stale. I would like fresh coffee. Yeah. And that's my one fresh coffee. Yep. You I did really find one little search. I found one little coffee shop that was open early after I'd walked like several miles wandering about Madrid first thing in the morning. Um, but yeah, I like the early morning. I like the quiet before the crazy. The, the quiet before the crazy, the quiet before the crowds. And also mm-hmm. I do find, if you want to do photography of the city. If you're really into that, that's the time to do it because there's no crowds. There's no people. And the lighting is really good in the morning. Yeah. So, and it's also cooler. It's nice and yes. cool in the morning. So if it's going to be a hot day someday, you know, it's especially someplace like Spain, it can get really hot. The mornings are beautiful. Okay. Last question. Ready? All right. Let's go. 
Okay, paella. We had paella at the one restaurant that we were late to because of the race. Um, I don't know if you went to the same one, but they gave us giant plates of it. Like, you know, put your arms in a giant circle plates. Um, one was seafood. One was chicken and rabbit. Which one? I would use seafood, but I do like rabbit. Yeah, I do like rabbit. That's, that's one of those things you didn't know about me until just now. I do enjoy <laughs> rabbit. Um, so I'm going to actually go with uh, go with the seafood. I feel like that's more traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, I mean, but honestly, let's be honest. We would just eat it all. Um, we would just the plate. Like that's, that's, let's, yeah, to be a hundred percent clear. Um, which did you have? I had actually, I had the seafood one and it, and the, and the chicken and rabbit one, but the seafood one had the shrimp. I would, do they technically be prawns? I don't know when they like have everything. You're not just cleaning the shrimp a little bit, like pull off the eyes, pull off the entire head, pull off all the, so I felt like two seconds in, I was like a toddler who'd been given a birthday cake. My hands covered with stuff. <laughs> I was like, how to, and I was so grateful to see people. And I'm like, oh, great. Now everybody else has grabbed it. So we all look like, like a mess, but it's like all over your hands. I want it. Yeah. That was not fun. It was tasty, but I only had one other string. Like this is too much work <laughs> for that's, what my hands now look like. <laughs> that's the way I feel about it. Like lobster and crab. Like mm-hmm. I like them, but I would like them delivered to me without their body parts on. I would just yes. like their cooked flesh. And I just, I just, I, I, I mean, I don't mind pulling the heads off of things. Um, yeah. Like I'm, all, I'm not going to suck the head of a crawfish. I draw the line there. No, um, I'm not doing that yeah, either. I'm not <laughs> that Southern. Um, but yeah, like it's just not, I, I, I don't want to do the work. I feel like we've evolved mm. past that. It's not a culinary yes. experience. It's a pain in the hands. And I, yes. it's, it's, it's the interception between me and my food. And I'm not willing to compromise on that. Yeah, I don't like having it. So I so I didn't have as much of the seafood for that reason. But I did have, but I felt really guilty eating the rabbit. I like rabbits. And rabbits are cute. They're my favorite furry little cutesy animal. I'm like, oh, I'm eating little, bu- sorry, Easter Bunny. Like, I just can't get the rabbit things hard for me. But they're delicious. <laughs> they are delicious. Um, so <laughs> they I are tasty. For you. I saw a photo. Um, there is a famous churros place by our hotel. Did you churro? Mm. Did you churro? We did. Okay. The first night we churroed, we went to the churro place and it was amazing. Did you go to the churro place? I did. It's what I loved was you get, imagine your favorite mug, like your normal size mug and you have filled it with chocolate it's not chocolate syrup. It's like literally like just chocolate melted sauce. chocolate. Yeah. And it's, and they give you a mug of chocolate and then just churros and you just dip them in this mug of chocolate. That is a little slice of heaven on earth. But we did make one mistake. Did you, did you sit and eat there? We were a big party. Like most of us went together as one big posse. I, I did sit and eat there, but I was by myself. Okay. So we person. went in the corner. There were a lot of us. And we wanted, we, we made the mistake of, it was like, okay, we went to sit, you know, you with the police officers in Spain, like you don't, you, you list, well, I feel like this guy's trying to be a police officer. He's like, ticket. I'm like, ticket, ticket. I want to have a ticket. They're buying. He's like, you can't get a table until you get a ticket. And I was like, okay, hands off. We will back away. But then once we saw the press, I'm like, oh, so once you get the ticket, then you get the table. And they had like waiters who came and rearranged the tables. And you're just like, how many? And I didn't know how to say, you know, eight. 18 in Spanish and he's like counting us all up pulls all the tables pulls all the chairs gets it all together he was like he was organized he he knew his stuff and it was the most efficient churro consumption process I have ever witnessed they are very <laughs> very uh very coordinated there I was so I was there at like 10 30 at night because I went to go eat in the market and then it was mm-hmm. like all, I wandered back to the hotel and I was like oh churros and it's not busy and I feel like this is where I should go so I yeah. went there and because it wasn't late at night, it made it a lot easier. There was like, I just could go and sit. Um, okay. I think that's probably for going to recommend to people where 
Wendigo. That's Wendigo. Um, it's the San Genet, the Chocolateria San Genet. Um, it's famous. You can look it up. It's been doing churros for like, it's like the 18 or mid 1800s or something like that. Like something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Where like they know their stuff. They've been around. It is kind of touristy, yeah. um, but it is definitely worth a stop. If you are in Madrid, it's near Plaza Mayor. It's all kind of right in there. It's really good. I mean, sometimes things are touristy and that doesn't make them bad. Sometimes they're, everyone goes to a thing for a reason. It's really good. It's really good. So we're going to look at the next episode. The next time we episode, we will be talking about a less exciting destination for some people, um, Detroit and Michigan. <laughs> because it's the Detroit Auto Show. Yeah. Which is actually, Detroit. I'm, I'm actually okay. kind of excited. Like, it'll be nice to like auto show again. Yeah. You're auto showing. I'd be auto showing. And this time without masks. I felt like in New York and in LA, we had to do masks. And this time it's like, it feels like auto. That's right. No masks now. Yeah. It's, it feels more and more like the before times every day. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here for it. I'm definitely here for it. All right. So we are going to Detroit show next episode. We'll catch you there. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Bye.